and welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I'm your host, Sarah Sin, tackling horror movies, peeling back the layers, and taking a deeper dive into them. Again, on the show, I don't just discuss my love of horror movies. I like to bring in the aspect and perspective of horror and history, how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And since I am a psychology major, I like to bring this aspect and perspective in as well and see how the horror movie I'm focusing on reflects psychology and mental health in any way. Okay, so first I'm going to apologize for my voice. My allergies have been really bad this past week. Like, my nose is stuffed up. I've been coughing and sneezing. And you can just hear it. Like, I'm so nasally and I apologize. And I've had a sore throat along with it all. So I'm just like, I don't sound the greatest and I'm sorry. Um, But I did want to be able to get my last episode out for May. So I'm going to apologize for my voice because it is... Terrible, and you can definitely hear it, that I'm having terrible, terrible allergies right now. So, like I said, May is almost over, so I wanted to be able to get my last episode out for May. June will start up, and I will be focusing on a new theme, like always. I don't actually have the theme figured out yet, but I'll be focusing on, quote, bad dads within horror movies, you know, since Father's Day is coming up in June. Um, I will have a theme figured out by the time I get my first episode out of June, I promise, but Bad Dads is the focus for June. So anyways, let's move on to the last movie for the theme of Let's Talk About Horror Movies A with 1987's The Gate, directed by Tibor Tukox, sorry if I said that wrong, starring Stephen Dorff as Glenn, Krista Denton as Al, Louis Tripp as Terry, Kelly Rowan as Lori Lee, Jennifer Irwin as Linda Lee, Deborah Grover as Mom, Scott Denton as Dad, and Ingrid Veneger as Paula. So for horror and history, I think it definitely reflects a lot like on the fear of adulthood, like leaving your childhood behind. I think it's also reflecting on the struggles of being a teenager, you know, in the adolescent phase of life, you know, that kind of like in-between phase where you're not quite an adult, but you're not really a child anymore. And definitely reflects on, and a lot of us have been through this, you know, being left home alone for the first time, you know, no parents, and in actuality, like how scary that could, that can actually be for some, you know, some of us. So I think it definitely reflects on that, that being left home alone for the first time. Psychology and mental health, we got grief, and Erickson's industry versus inferiority, along with identity versus role confusion. We got inner demons, internal struggles, inner turmoil, loss of innocence, transitions, and lots of metaphors and symbolism. So what is this movie about? The removal of an old tree in the backyard leaves a giant mysterious hole in the ground. Glenn and his friend Terry accidentally start the ritual that opens the gate to hell. Glenn's parents leave for the weekend, leaving his older sister Al in charge, and strange occurrences start to happen, and the ritual is slowly getting closer to completion letting loose a bunch of demons to wreak havoc on our trio of characters who must take a stand and fight so that the gate won't open, unleashing hell on earth. Will the trio succeed and close the gate? Or will the gate to hell fly wide open, releasing hell on earth? Okay, moving on to the subgenre. So this is one of those movies that for myself, I think only really fits into one subgenre. Like many horror movies can fit into like multiple subgenres, but once in a while, there are a few that I fall upon that, to me, it's just one subgenre it really, really, you know, sticks with. And for me, 
this is definitely one of those movies, and I would put this movie into the creature feature subgenre. You know, we have monsters running around, causing chaos, wreaking havoc, and attacking, you know, the occupants within the house where our movie takes place. So there's little monsters running around, wreaking havoc. So this is why I put it in the creature feature subgenre. So I will go over the definition of creature feature. Creature feature. This is the subgenre where the monsters come out to play and kill. The monsters can be the result of a mutation, deformities, be of the supernatural, an advance in evolution, or due to human error. These creatures can be gigantic, small, or anywhere in between. Monsters come in all shapes and sizes, but no matter the size, they are dangerous and usually go on a killing spree, terrorizing the community and those they fixate on. Sometimes these creatures are just misunderstood because they did not choose to be a monster. They were made that way. While other monsters are driven by pure instinct and the need for survival. Either way, the monsters are deadly and pose a threat to humanity. So what I'd really like to do for this movie is something that I don't think I've actually done in a long time. Like, I was trying to think about it, and I think the last time I did anything like this was for Sleepaway Camp, which was a while ago. I'd like to do a little bit of a character analysis for our three main characters. There's a lot to unpack in this movie, and I won't get through all of it, of course, but I'd really like to go in depth about Terry, Glenn, and Al. Then I will like try to do a little bit of a deep dive into a few of the metaphors within the movie. But our three main characters are our focal point within the movie, and they all have a lot going on and kind of like a crisis they're going through and trying to overcome. So I'm going to start out with Terry, and like I usually do, I will go over a few scenes and then dive a little bit deeper into the character. So we do learn that Terry lost his mother a year prior, and now it's just him and his father. In one scene, Terry goes home after he spent the night at Glenn's, and the house is trashed. Like, there's dishes in the sink, trash bags full of, you know, trash hanging around, and, like, takeout pizza boxes all over the counter. And Terry looks on the fridge and finds a note from his father, and it says, Terry, gone on business, back later, dad. So he's home alone, and Terry decides to listen to, like, one of his little, like, heavy metal music albums, and he's, like, lip-syncing along with the album at one point. In a time before Earth, before Sun, and before the light of the stars, when all was darkness and chaos, the old gods, the forgotten gods, ruled the darkness. But what was theirs now belongs to the world of light and substance, and the old gods, the rightful masters, are jealous, watching mankind with a hatred that is as boundless as the stars, with plans for the destruction of man that are beyond imagining. There's a passageway between our physical world of light, pleasure, and their spiritual world of madness and pain, a gate behind which the demons wait for a chance to take back what is theirs. So Terry actually, after he hears this part of the movie, he kind of gets this like, it, it looks like a light bulb goes off in his head, and he starts to look through the album and notices that there's symbols written on the back of the album, and they happen to be the same symbols that him and Glenn found earlier on, like, one of Glenn's notepads. Um, they found a geode, and they crack it open. As soon as they crack it open, all the smoke comes out, and then these symbols pop up on his notepad, and Terry starts to piece things together that these are the same symbols on the album that they saw on the notepad. So later on, Terry goes back over to Glenn's to tell him what he's kind of figured out about, like, the hole that's in the backyard. 
and some of the strange happenings that have kind of started going on. Glenn, we're in big trouble. Terry, tell me about it. Glenn, how could it come back by itself? Terry, I think I know what this means. You know, with the levitation and all that other weird stuff. Glenn, what? Terry, you got demons. Glenn, demons? Terry, come on, we better try to cover it up first. You take this side here. Glenn, I don't think this is going to be enough. Terry, give me a break. Come on. Glenn, slow down. How do you know so much about this stuff? Terry, I've got something to show you. So they actually walk over. Glenn and Terry both go over to Terry's house so Terry can show Glenn the album. They're called Sacrifix, and my dad bought it from Europe, and it's got all this stuff in it. See, these guys are, like, really serious about demonology, and it's like they're trying to warn you. See, these guys knew. They wrote their own music. They got their lyrics from this thing called the Dark Book. That's like the Bible for demons. And here's the creepy part. This is their only album. And after they made it, they all died in a plane crash. And look at this. Demon Lord. Glenn. Terry, come on. Terry. Wait a minute. Uh, see, the lyrics in the album tell you how to summon the demons, and there's a certain time when the constellations are aligned when you can open the gate and let the old gods, those are demons, come through. Well, I checked, and it's like now. Glenn. Terry. But, Terry, this is a record album. Terry. But you see, there are these songs that tell you about the whole ritual for opening the gate. We did it. Here. Start by reading this clap. You know what it means. Gods of darkness, breeders of chaos, come forth and take possession of this vile world. And you need blood. Remember when you cut yourself? It's all in here. The hole, the geode, and look at this, the levitation. Glenn, what's that supposed to prove? Terry, it proves we're in big trouble. I didn't tell you about the most important part of the ritual, the sacrifice. Glenn, we didn't kill anybody. Terry, it doesn't have to be a person. It can be an animal. Glenn, well, then how come we haven't seen any demons? Terry, I think it's because the sacrifice wasn't complete. If we had put the offering in the hole, it would have blown the gate wide open. I think right now it's like only open a crack. They can influence us, but they can't get through. Glenn, it's just, how can this be true? Terry. Wait, you haven't heard anything yet. And then Terry starts to play the record backwards. Glenn, what's this? Terry, it's the album. Backwards. It tells you how to close the gate. So later on, Terry is back over at Glenn's house. Terry, listen to this. Beware, conjurer. Once set free into our world, the power of the old gods is unimaginable as they seek two sacrifices to establish their hell on earth. The ruination of mankind lurks just beyond the gate. The demons can only be destroyed and the gate closed, once again, by a true spirit of gentle passions wielding energy derived from pure love and light. So Terry is pretty much the one who, like, figures out what's going on and how to, like, stop it. To me, like, Terry is wise beyond his years, and it seems that, like, after his mom died, he had to grow up and grow up fast. His father has gone on business, 
Um, like we said, we get that note. But to me, it's implied that this note we see isn't the first time that Terry's left, you know, home alone to fend for himself. Terry, you know, I would say has to be, I think they're supposed to, I think him and Glenn are supposed to be either 11 or 12 years of age. Um, and Al is 15, about to be 16. She's a teenager. So, but even though like Terry is still young, like he's basically still a child, he now has like more responsibilities and he really does have to take care of himself. So when looking at Terry, I see a child. And like I said, yes, he's still a child who should still be able to be a child who's dealing with grief. You know, he lost his mother, you know, possibly still going through the stages of grief, this being denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I'd probably put him in the stage, you know, in stage two, anger, you know, moving into stage three, which becomes bargaining. Because Glenn's dad at one point even mentions that Terry seems angry about his mom's his mom dying. The point being, Terry's not only dealing with the grief of losing his mom at such a young age, he's still going through the stages of grief, trying to process everything. On top of that, now he has to grow up fast and take care of himself since his dad leaves on business trips, leaving Terry to fend for himself. You know, and I'm guessing this is probably how his dad's dealing with grief. Instead of facing the problem, he's, you know, running away. So Terry being angry and filled with grief kind of turns to heavy metal music as a way to deal with it and as a way to, I guess, for him to prove to himself that he's mature. You know, like I said, Terry is still a child who should be allowed to be a child, not have to take care of himself. That's what his father should be doing. And Terry's a good kid. He is loyal to Glenn and enjoys going over to Glenn's house because I think at Glenn's house, he can still be a child. I think that's why he enjoys going over there and hanging out there. He knows someone will take care of him and he can still be a child. Again, Terry lost his mother. He's grieving and angry about it. But he needs his dad now more than ever. And unfortunately, his dad chooses to go off on business instead of being a parent to his grieving child. So I hope that all makes sense what I'm saying about Terry is he's a child who should still be a child, but since he lost his mom and his dad goes away all the time on business trips, leaving Terry to basically take care of himself and raise himself, Terry kind of turns to heavy metal music as a way to cope, but also enjoys hanging out at Glenn's house because he knows there someone will take care of him and he can still be a child. So. Again, I hope that all makes sense. So let's move on to Glenn. As I mentioned, Glenn is probably the same age as Terry. Like I said, they're, they're around um, 11 or 12. Um, I can't actually remember. I don't remember if they say anything in the movie about how old they are. I do know they say uh, how old Alexandra or Al is. But what I see with Glenn is that he's having a hard time with his sister being a teenager and not wanting to like hang out with him or play with him as much as she used to. Glenn is also struggling with the fact that while still a child, he is getting older and will soon be a teenager as well. So we're actually first introduced to Glenn right in the opening scene. He's riding his bike home. He opens the door. Glenn, mom, dad, Al, hello. Then he hears giggling upstairs. He goes upstairs and knocks on his sister's bedroom. Al goes into her room, the Thunderbolt. Then he goes downstairs because he hears the TV get turned on 
He goes into the kitchen, sees the table is set with food. The back door swings open. Glenn looks out into his backyard, and we see this big old tree with a treehouse in it. Glenn goes outside, climbs into the treehouse. Lightning strikes the tree, and the tree falls to the ground, you know, with the treehouse and Glenn inside. And then we see Glenn wake up because it was all a dream. And we do see that the tree has been knocked down or torn down along with the treehouse, and it leaves a giant hole. So even though he was dreaming about it, it is something that did actually happen. Later on, Glenn's dad is putting him to bed and is about to turn off the light. Glenn. No, leave it on. Dad. Glenn, what's with you today? Glenn. It's... I don't know. It's something about that hole. Dad. What do you mean? Glenn. I don't know. It's just weird. Dad. Well, you... You filled it in, didn't you? Glenn. Yeah. But Terry told me something. Dad. What? Glenn. Well, he said that a long time ago, when they were building our house, a workman got killed, and the other workmen didn't want to tell the police, so they sealed him up in one of our walls. Dad. Look, son, let me tell you something about Terry. You remember last year when Terry's mom died? Glenn. Yeah. Dad. Well, ever since then, Terry's been a little strange. I think he's kind of angry inside that his mom's gone. So you just remember that when he gets destructive or tries to scare you. I think he's just a little confused. That's all. You know what I'm saying? Glenn. I think so. Dad. You want me to turn the light on? Glenn. No, it's okay. So after the parents leave, because um, they go away for the weekend leaving Al in charge, she actually decides to throw a party with all her friends, and they play this levitation game using Glenn. They levitate him, and he, like, flies up to the ceiling and then falls to the ground and then runs off crying. Terry. Glenn? Al. Glenn, are you all right? Terry. I think it's because he cried in front of everybody. Al. Hey, Glenn. Don't be embarrassed. Crying's nothing. Remember when Trevor Stubblefield pants me in front of the whole auditorium? Terry. Yeah, and I barked on Steve Slavitt after the 12-minute run. Glenn. I want to call Mom and Dad. Al. Glenn, no. Glenn. I want you to call them. Al. What am I going to tell them? We're scared because we levitated Glenn and he broke the light? Great. You must love Mrs. Vandergrift. Glenn. Al. Al. Look, Terry can sleep over and keep you company. Let's all just get some sleep. I'm going to lock up. Glenn. You really barfed on Steve's slavit? Terry. Yep. So, later on within the movie, after Al and Terry have actually been taken away by the demons, Glenn is the one who's trying to figure out and remember how to fight them. Love and light. That's it. The Thunderbolt, energy derived from... He forgets. A little later, he sees, like, a bunch of smoke rising up from the hole, um, and it's going up into the sky, and he, you know, lays on the floor and cries, and then he picks up his jar of moths and throws them. No! Come back here! Take me instead! I'm next! Don't you want another sacrifice? Come back! Take me instead! Come back! Come back! So. Like I mentioned before, Glenn is having a hard time with being kind of stuck in a weird phase. Like, he's still a child, but soon will move into adolescence. He's about to move from one stage of life to another, 
and I'm talking about Erickson's psychosocial stages of life. So Glenn right now is in the stage of industry versus inferiority, the next stage being identity versus role confusion. And the stage he's in is the last stage of childhood, ages 6 to 12. So this is the stage where children are learning new skills, of setting goals and trying to achieve them, and learning about accomplishments and failure. And as I just mentioned, this is the last stage within childhood before they go into adolescence, which then leads to adulthood. Glenn still wants to be a kid. He's afraid of the dark, you know, plays make-believe, has toys, still really wants his mom and dad, you know, especially when he's scared. He still really needs his parents right now. Like, throughout the entire movie, he's constantly telling his sister to call mom and dad, please call mom and dad. But he also knows that eventually he will get older, become a teenager, and leave, you know, leave his childhood, move out of childhood. And I think this is hard on Glenn, and he's struggling with this conflict because he's seeing his sister go through it because his sister doesn't play with him like she used to because now she's a teenager and he still really wants to be a kid. And I think he's just afraid of that next phase of life. And that's what he's struggling with. Like, I still want to be a kid. I'm not ready for the next stage of life. So I hope that all makes sense. Like Glenn is, I'd say 11 or 12. He's in the stage of life where it's the last stage of childhood before you move into adolescence, which then moves into adulthood. And he's not quite ready because he's still a child. Like, like I said, he still really needs his parents. Like he still plays with toys. He still plays make-believe. Like he's still a kid that wants to stay a kid. And I think for him, that's the struggle is that he knows the next stage is the stage his sister's in and he's watching her struggle with it. And I think for him, that's why he struggles because he looks at his sister and goes, that's going to be me soon. So I hope that all makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to move on to Glenn's older sister, Al, who is, like I said, a full-blown teenager. Like, she even says that she's 15, turning 16 real soon. And again, she's struggling as well with the idea of not only being a teenager, which means you have more responsibilities and need to be more mature, but the fact that she is no longer a child and feels like she cannot play with her little brother like she used to. So we're introduced to Al. We see her walking out of the house with a box full of stuff, a box full of toys. You see, like, Barbie dolls and stuff. Terry and Glenn see her and walk over to her, looking into the box. Glenn. Al, don't. Wait a sec. You promised I could have these. Al. I said that three months ago. They've been sitting in my room. Glenn. But Al. Al. Quit calling me Al. My name is Alexandra. Glenn. Well, aren't we going to launch them? Al, well, you can do whatever you want. I've got to go. Glenn, where? You promised we could launch them. Al, I'm going shopping with Lori and Linda. Terry, the Lee sisters. Glenn, Al, wait. What about the Thunderbolt? Al, just forget about the Thunderbolt. It's gone. Terry, what do you need her for anyway? I mean, what's the big deal? Glenn, well, ever since I burnt a hole in the roof, my dad says I can't launch any any of my rockets without supervision. Terry, hey, I'll supervise. So later that same evening, um, during dinner, uh, everyone's sitting down and mom and dad are talking about how they're leaving for the weekend. Dad, it's just irresponsibility. I don't know. Is it too late to call Mrs. Vandergriff? Al, oh, daddy, please. You can't call a babysitter. 
I'm going to be 16 in two weeks. You said I was mature enough to accept the responsibility. And honestly, I promise there won't be any problems. Dad. Well, what do you think, Glenn? Can you be trusted? Glenn. I don't know. Mom. If your father and I agreed to let the two of you stay alone for three whole days, how can we be sure that you'll behave? Glenn. It was Terry who started it. Mom. If Terry jumped off a bridge, I suppose you'd jump off too? Glenn. Sure. Why not? Al. Look, I can take care of Terry, and I can take care of Glenn, and I can take care of this house. Please? Dad. All right. But you, young man, are grounded for the weekend, and that means that you do not leave this house until we come back. Glenn. Grounded? For real? Dad. For real. And after dinner, pal, you fill in that hole. Glenn. Okay. So Al does end up having a party that night, um, at the day her parents leave. But the following day, she's hanging out with the Lee sisters again, which is uh, Lori and Linda. Lori. Eric really likes you. You gotta come to the beach with us. Linda. Look, everybody's going. We're having a bonfire and everything. Al. I don't know. I mean... I just can't go. Lori, look it, just leave him some Gerbers. He'll be fine. Glenn, Al, you can't go out. What about Angus? What about what happened last night? You have to call Mom and Dad. Al, Glenn, cool it. Linda, what's he talking about? Glenn, tell them. Al, Angus died last night. Glenn, tell him about the other stuff. Al. There is no other stuff. Glenn. What's the matter with you guys? Something really scary happened last night. Linda. What? Glenn. The levitation. You guys were there. Eric. Hey, little man. That was just an illusion. Glenn. What do you know, lover boy? Al. What is your problem? Glenn. You, Alexandra. Al. You're acting like a baby. Glenn. Just shut up. So later, the Lee sisters are actually staying over. Terry's staying over for Glenn. Al, Glenn, and Terry come downstairs after this strange occurrence to find the Lee sisters, like, hauled up in a closet. And then as they all start walking away, some uh, boys jump out of another closet. Glenn, what are you doing here? Eric, came here to party. Linda, thought we'd surprise you. Al, well, look, I've had enough surprises for one night. Could you guys just please leave? Linda. Come on, Al. Be real. Lori. Al, we invited them. Al. Well, maybe you should just go with them. Lori. Fine. Brad. Come on, let's go. Linda. We can take a hint. Brad. What a drag. Let's go. So, like, just in these last few scenes, we actually see some of the struggles Al is going through. Like, she wants to hang with her friends, but she also said she would take care of Glenn, you know, and take care of the house for the weekend. Like, she wants the responsibility of, you know, being in charge and taking care of the house. But at the same time, she also, you know, wants to go out and be a teenager and just play and hang out with her friends as well. So she's in this, like, struggle. Like I said, I think she has the most obvious struggle because she's a teenager. Again, she wants responsibility, but at the same time, she wants to hang out with her younger brother as well. But she also wants to be with her friends. So 
she's in the stage of identity versus role confusion. She's trying to figure out who she is and where she fits in within this world. And she has a group of friends, and we see her hanging out with them, even throwing a party the first night the parents are gone. We see her, you know, throwing a box full of, quote, childish toys out, making way for probably more mature items. She's interested in a boy named Eric, who seems to like her as well. You know, I think in her mind, a part of her is saying she doesn't have time for childish games with her brother. You know, and Al is in a very awkward stage of life. Like, She's no longer a child, but you can tell she isn't quite ready to leave childhood just yet. But at the same time, she enjoys the perks of being a teenager. More responsibility, no babysitter while mom and dad are gone, you know, friends who have cars, you know, going to the mall with her friends, having parties, and so on. You know, she wants the perks of being, you know, an adult without leaving her childhood behind completely, if that makes sense. Like, she's on the path of discovering who she is. And she has a few few years left to figure it out, but she, almost, she also wants to be loyal to her brother and still wants to spend time with him launching rockets off. You know, she's in a really tough stage to be in. She's no longer a child, but not quite an adult. And we see this struggle throughout the entire movie, like how she talks to her friends and is like, no, I have to stay home and take care of my brother while you guys go to the beach. And they're like, oh, just leave him some Gerbers. He's a baby anyways. Like, da-da-da-da-da. So she's having a really hard time because on the one hand, she wants to still play games and launch rockets with her brother, you know, and kind of be a child still. But at the same time, she enjoys her friends and enjoys being able to go to the mall and go to the beach and have parties and go to parties and all the stuff that comes with being a teenager. But at the same time, she's not quite ready to move into adulthood, even though she does want to take on more responsibilities. So I hope that all makes sense. So very quickly, I'd like to talk about what I feel like the gate itself may represent and the demons them- themselves may be symbolic of. So I believe the gate is a metaphor for the next stage of life, especially adulthood. You know, the idea of leaving your childhood behind you, growing up and becoming an adult. Terry and Glenn both struggle with this, the idea of leaving their childhood behind to become teenagers. They aren't ready for this and still enjoy, you know, playing games and toys and rockets, but they know eventually they won't be able to stop, you know, this from happening. You know, they won't be able to, quote, close the gate on becoming an adolescent, which in turn prepares you for entering adulthood. Al, it's the same thing. She is growing up, growing older. She is no longer a child, but yearns to still be able to be childish at times and is going to enter adulthood soon. This will happen and she cannot stop it. Again, she cannot, quote, close the gate on becoming an adult, completely leaving her childhood behind. So for me, the gate represents the next stage of life, leaving the previous stage behind, trying to close the gate because at the moment, they're not ready to go through the gate to the next stage of life. The demons um, that our three characters encounter, I believe are really a metaphor for inner demons, like the internal struggle, struggle, internal turmoil, kind of like the fear of dot, dot, dot. The demons are constantly trying to attack them and bring them to their world to face their fears, I would say. For Al, again, she fears leaving childhood behind completely, like completely leaving her childhood behind her and becoming an adult. She wants the responsibility. She wants the freedom. But she isn't ready to move forward quite yet. She fears becoming an adult and leaving the roost going out on her own. 
Glenn fears leaving childhood completely and fears becoming a teenager because he still enjoys being around his parents. He still enjoys, you know, being a kid. And he also has this fear of like his sister deserting him. She is no longer a child like him and she doesn't really want to play with him the way she used to. She's going to eventually leave the house, you know, leaving him there alone with no one to play with. So his fear is like watching his sister leave, but he also fears, you know, no longer being a child. And for Terry, he fears being alone because he spends so much time by himself. His mom died. His father's always off on business trips leaving Terry at the house alone to take care of himself, which is why he goes over to Glenn so much. He knows he won't be alone there. He already lost his mother, which is such a lonely feeling to begin with. And then to have his father constantly leave as well. I think Terry is alone a lot and fears being alone. You know, that he will, as he grows up, continue to be alone. You know, there's one point where the demons try to drag Terry into the hole after he fell down into it and he's desperately trying to climb out after he tries to, like, befriend them. So, like, at first he's down there in the hole almost, like, accepting his fate. Like, okay, I guess I'm stuck down here. And then he says, nope, I'm going to climb out of this hole. And he fights to crawl out because, again, he's scared of being afraid and being left alone. So hope that all makes sense. But in the end, what I love about this movie and the ending is that after all they go through, Al, Glenn, and Terry, the reason they survive is that they stick together, are loyal to one another, and care about one another, sacrifice and fight for one another, and defeat the demons and close the gate because they love each other. They have love. They still are struggling and battling their inner demons. They close the gate for now to the next stage of life. And understand that as long as they have each other, they can face anything and overcome it. So I hope that all makes sense. I'm going to move on to my reviews. And again, trying to keep the show a little bit shorter. I'm just going to read one review this time. Gruesome Magazine says, The gate demonstrates that PG-13 and kid-friendly do not necessarily equate to not scary. A great cast of actual teens is well served by a script that gives them realistic and sympathetic characters which helps provide an emotional core to the film. A variety of special effect techniques is utilized by the filmmakers to create the assorted nasty creatures that pour from the gate. The scares are plentiful and quite frightening, even for a PG-13 film. Those wanting to introduce the young ones to truly scary movies, as well as anyone interested in watching a creepy and creative creature feature, should be sure to check out The Gate. So, overall... This movie is an entertaining yet creepy little creature feature that puts kids up front and center as our heroes who must battle demons in order to stop hell on earth from happening. This is a fun for the whole family kind of horror movie, and I do remember watching this one with my older siblings when I was little. This movie is scary, but not gory filled with a bunch of, you know, gory kills. And it's a great gateway horror movie for little ones who need to be kind of eased into the horror genre. Unlike myself, where the first horror movie I ever saw was Friday the 13th when I was five. And my daughter's first horror movie was actually House, which I would probably consider another gateway horror as well. The cast was believable and had chemistry. You really believe that Al and Glenn were siblings and that Terry and Glenn had been friends for a long time. You grew close to these characters as the movie you know, progresses and you root for them, you want them to win, and you cheer for them when they do. So if you haven't seen this movie, you should. 
Again, especially if you have little ones you've been wanting to introduce to the horror genre, this movie is a great gateway horror movie for them. This movie may be PG-13, but that doesn't mean it isn't scary, but it's also full of heart as well. So I'm going to wrap it up for today. Thank you again for joining me here on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Sarah Sin. Thank you for sticking around as I discuss horror history, psychology, and mental health within horror movies. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, thank you for listening. And I just want to remind everybody that there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you.